0: Just a quick note before this episode starts, it contains mature themes. Welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. So I decided that I was just going to... Go with my life, whatever, made whatever, whatever I wanted to do, I would do. And that's what I did. I left uh, high school and I went to art school, and there I met this whole different range of people that were into drugs and alcohol and sleeping around, and I thought, "Cool, that's fun." And I dived straight into that, like, yes, let's do that. Gone from my sheltered little existence to, yes, art school. Slept with whoever, started uh, using marijuana, uh, then hash. And then so then, I don't know if you know this, probably in this room you don't, but drugs can be quite expensive, right? So I started selling drugs to pay for the drugs. My friends were um, hookers and strippers because that's, why not? You know, why not? Why not? I was working in Hindley Street um, as a, as a waitress in, in Wings Rock and Roll Night Bar it was back then. And uh, then I got introduced to amphetamines, heroin. I was drinking a lot. Pretty soon, um, you know, I just gave myself over to all of those things. After a while, my addictions or my, my experimentation became addiction. I was no longer choosing it I had to have that stuff. It was choosing me. It was ruling me and ruling my life. And so little by little, any sort of morals that I thought I had went out the window because I had to have that stuff. I had to have my heroin. I had to have my alcohol. I used to when I so so I became an alcoholic. I used to drink a flagon of port every day. That's two litres of port a day. And at the time, I remember thinking that I was putting on a little bit of weight. I was a bit uh, vain. So I switched to claret because it's got less sugar. And I thought that that was me being very health conscious at the time. Thank you. You're allowed to you're, you're allowed to you're allowed to laugh. It's okay. So there I was, I'm, I'm, um, I got int- involved with um, drug dealers, international drug dealers, but that's a whole other story. Um, and surprise, surprise, I, I began selling heroin. And uh, one day I sold an ounce of heroin, which is a big chunk of heroin like this, to a federal police officer. I am blonde. Well, I was naturally blonde. I'm no longer naturally blonde. But at the time, I was naturally blonde. no. <laughs> Um, So, I sold an ounce of heroin to a federal police officer. I didn't know he was a federal police officer, um, but that's what I did. Who would know that you get to go to prison if you sell heroin to federal police officers? So, I actually spent a year and a half in Northfield Women's Prison, which is in Adelaide. Um, I was sentenced to seven years, actually, at the time, and then I got... Before Truth in Sentencing. So, this was a few years ago. So, I actually did 16 months in Northfield Women's Prison. If you want to know what a, a prison is like, women's prison is like, you have to ask me afterwards. Because, you know, a whole bunch of women in, confined in a space together. You know, that's you can imagine. It's fun, not. Right? So, I spent 16 months in, the, in Northfield Women's Prison. If you think about the worldview, So... Let me ask you the question. When I got out of prison, what was different? Thank you. Nothing. When I got out of prison, my worldview hadn't changed at all. And so, therefore, the first thing I did when I left prison is I said, let's go score, because I had had a tough time. (laughs) It's not to say that I hadn't had drugs while I was in prison. Just a spoiler alert. But... um, Uh, So, nothing had changed in my worldview. The only thing that I, what what did happen was that I was harder. My heart was more broken. I was more traumatised and had even less ability and skills to know what to do with all that stuff. To know how to, I couldn't minister to myself. I couldn't put myself back together. I didn't know what to do. So I returned to. There's a lovely scripture. I'd love, I keep throwing this out there, hoping one day someone's going to cross stitch this on a pillow for me. There's a lovely scripture in, in the Bible that says, We are like dogs who return to their vomit. Did you know that was there? It's a great scripture. I think that would be nice, you know, cross stitch on a little pillow. Um, and that's what I did. I went straight back to my old ways because I hadn't learned it, my, my worldview hadn't changed. I still believe there was no God, there was no point, there was no purpose to life, that we eat, we, we die, yeah. And so if that's the case, what did it matter? The only thing I thought was that I didn't particularly enjoy the, the experience of prison and so I thought I'd just tone it down a bit. So instead of dealing ounces of heroin, I thought I'll just deal grams and maybe I'll have a couple of kids because that's what straight people do. Straight people like you guys in the, you know, straight conservative people. I thought, well, that's what they do, so maybe that's what I'll do. I'll have a couple of kids. I always wanted children, um, but I thought, well, that's what I'll do. I'll have some kids and I'll just tone this down a bit and just do grams instead of ounces, you know, just be a bit more moderate about it. So myself and my partner then at the time, Max, who can imagine if you take two alcoholic drug addicts who were drinking flagons a day and using heroin daily or codeine or pills or whatever we could get our hands on. Who can imagine that if you take those two people and you add children into the mix, that that's probably not going to get better. In fact, it got worse. And our life just sort of descended into what I can only call madness, actually. So Maxie and I... um, very, abu- mutu- I would say mutually abusive, depends what, you know. Um, he got, I think probably by that point, um, um, he was probably showing the beginnings of alcoholic dementia and so he started getting very, very controlling and very abusive. He would sort of sharpen knives and leave them around the house and, and uh, you know, sort of just let me know that they were there or that they were hidden somewhere and that they might you know, uh, uh, present themselves in an argument or something like that. He put a, a padlock on the front door and on the side gate, and he dragged his mattress um, into the lounge room. So I wasn't allowed to invite people over to the house. At this point we had three children in this situation. Um, if I wanted to leave the house, I would have to... Um, account for my time so I'd have to say I'll be 7 minutes or I'll be 15 minutes and if I wasn't back on time I would be in big trouble so um, and uh, and I uh, would be in big trouble also if anyone knocked on the door or tried to speak to us or anything like that so again imagine that with little children in the scenario I was 27 and I remember looking at my kids and thinking they were doomed they were actually doomed to sort of be like apprenticed to our lifestyle. What hope did they have? They were only going to learn what we were and, and step into what we were. And so at that point in time in my life, at 27 with these three beautiful kids and this terrible situation, um, I thought the only way out of this was to commit murder and when I say murder, I mean premeditated murder. This wasn't like an emotional thing. This was like I thought this was the only way out for me and my children. I felt at the time that we were invisible, that no one, no one saw us. No one saw me and my kids. Max at that point used to, he used to drink his flagons and he would urinate in them and he would line the flagons bottles up around the... Around the lounge room wall, I don't know why he did that, but that's what he did, and that was our situation. So, this one night, I just thought, I thought I would smother him. I thought I would kill him. So he was passed out on the mattress, and I got a pillow, and I thought I would just smother him to death, and that we would be free. And two things occurred to me at that point in time. One was I thought maybe that was a little extreme but probably more realistically I thought if, if, if I was doing that and if I didn't succeed then I would be in really big trouble. So I did this weird thing. Now, I didn't even think of it at the time but I said if there's a God, I muttered it. Under my breath, if there's a God, you better do something or tomorrow he gets it. And it's very reverent and wonderful of me, isn't it? Glory to you, Lord. (laughs) You know, I didn't have any scriptures or lovely songs to reflect on. I didn't have any knowledge of that. All I had was this, whatever. what, am I going to challenge God, am I? Better do something or he gets it, right? The next day I, plan, I had permission to leave the house to get a trailer and my plan was to get, buy enough heroin to put in Max's drink. I thought this was the perfect crime. Like legitimately I thought this is it. This is, this is the perfect crime because who's going to care if an old drug addict dies of a heroin overdose in Adelaide? I honestly believed that no one saw us, no one would care and that if he died of an overdose, that would be fine by me. Well, it was fine by me because I was going to do it. But that no one was going to challenge me. No one was going to follow that up and that my kids would be free. Didn't, you know, uh, murder is 30 years plus in prison. My children would have been in foster care. yeah. So I set out, I had permission to leave that day and I was intent because I I knew I just had this short window opportunity. So I was intent on where I'm going and what I'm doing and and I had stopped at a service station and there was a car broken down on the other side of the road with the bonnet up and all of that and I felt this like drawing sensation. You ever felt that? Like a, I call it an unction or something. I felt like, oh... I should go over and talk to that person. And I sort of recognised them from the drug world. I hadn't seen them for years, but I thought, oh, yeah, I know that. But then I thought, I haven't got time, but this sort of feeling wouldn't go away. Have you ever had one of those sort of feelings? So I went over and I talked to him and he said, I said, how have you been, what have you been doing? He said, I've been going to church. You should come. And as I was standing there on Lower North East Road in Adelaide, I felt like god had answered my prayer and that he'd done it in a way that i understood he did it through a person who was credible to me and it was just a simple invitation he wrote his phone number on my hand he said come to church tomorrow come to my house you know ring me and we'll go together i went home that day and i said to max i was going to kill you can you imagine that God must have been doing something there as well. I'm going to kill you. I was going to kill you, um, but now I'm not. The following day, I went to church and I heard the message of the gospel for the first time in my life that Jesus Christ had died for my stinkingness, my sin, my putrid bad attitude. If you want to, it's like bad attitudes here wanting to murder someone's here right that Jesus had taken all of that on himself and given me a clean slate that to me I thought that is good news isn't it I was like what what are you kidding me like for real why did no one tell me this before how come I never heard this before are you saying that God loves me like that? That God loved me, not, not now because I'm, you know, wearing shoes, but, but God loved me then at my most disgusting, putrid moment. God said, see that chick there about to commit murder? I love her and I'm sending Christ to die for her. That message undid my world. Yeah, I went. Uh, Max came to church the following week. I got baptized the second week because I thought, you know what? As much as I, I thought if there's this much truth in this message of the gospel, I'm going to pursue it as fervently as I pursued drugs and alcohol. If I, when I was a junkie, if I, if if I wanted to go and score, I would pick my kids up out of bed and put them in the car in the back seat and I would drive to wherever I wanted to go I would sit in the front seat and use my drugs with my kids in the back that's how That's, and so I thought if I would do that for drugs how much more would I do for the gospel how much more will I do for Jesus who has set me free yeah it's a a radical message isn't it it's a radical message. Maxie became a Christian as well. The, bo- the doctors at that point in time had given him six months to live because of his um, liver damage. And he did eventually die six years later. Um, but he was a member of the worship team. He, he knew the love of, of the Lord. He still struggled. We still struggled. I love to give a picture like this. Let me paint a picture I thought I didn't... I was going to do a PowerPoint then. I thought, no, let's use our imaginations. Remember when we used to do that, <laughs> right? So imagine this. This was me when I first came to church and with my children. We, we smelled, right? We smelled real bad. We had head lice. All of us had head lice. I never... Excuse me, boys. But I did not own a bra until I became a Christian, right? I don't know why. Because Who cares? Um, and I didn't wear shoes either. No. I hadn't worn shoes for years and years. I used to smoke. And so when I'd come into church in the beginning, and, and I always joke about it because, you know, church is, hey, how are you? You know, we've got the person on the door. And that was just a little too much for me at the time, just just a little bit, right? Because here's me. My kids had come out of the windows of the car and run across the roof, and they'd run into the... They'd be just like... My kids would have been just you know bouncing off the walls no shoes, head lice, filthy foul mouthed Yeah, swearing was my favourite thing I like to be very creative with it because I thought I was funny and if you with your lovely Christian niceness would come up to me to maybe ask me how my day was because I knew that I didn't have the answer right so what have you done this week well, you know, I already knew that I didn't have anything that was anything like a normal answer to that question. So I would just take my cigarette and just butt it out on my bare foot just so that you might just back that nice Christianness just up a little bit. Right? Shall we pray for revival, folks? Shall we pray that God brings the broken into this building? Yes. And then when they do, do we go, a miracle has just occurred. Because when the hookers and the strippers and the druggies come into your church, you know, we might not say anything. Oh, put your top up nicely. You know, but we, do we look, oh, they're sitting in my seat. <laughs> or do we go, my goodness, a miracle has happened. A miracle like the woman at the well. And God is doing a transformation. I would imagine that if you just met me today and we got chatting, you might say, oh, let's go and do lunch. Let's have a cup of tea. Would you have done the same on that day when I walked into church? I hope you would. It might be a stretch. But that's the reality of the gospel. Yeah? Revelation says we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony so that's what Jesus has done in our life but actually what we also say about what he has done in our life so I'm no more loved by God now because I'm wearing shoes and a pretty top you think it's pretty I think it's pretty top thank you Roxy was not sure this morning but hey so I'm no more loved by God actually and there's a scripture that goes with that isn't there Anyone think of that? No. I was thinking of the one of, you know, we don't want to be like whitewashed tombs. Yes? Do not conform to. The yeah, that's a good one. But renew your one with the Word of God. Yes. So how did I do it? Exactly. So how did I, how do you get from there? to hear. it won't happen, no, no, but it will happen, right? the word of God, I started reading the word of God, when I, when I first got saved, I didn't know anything, I got, the, I got my kids, I got a kid's Bible and I started reading a children's Bible, because every, you know, in church they say, well, we all know the story of Noah's Ark, I didn't know the story of Noah's Ark, yeah, so, so yes, so be transformed by the renewing of your mind, my worldview changed, what happened on that day? My worldview changed. I went, oh my goodness. There is a God who passionately loves me, who died for me, who, who's given me a second chance and then, my, and then why wouldn't I? Because when people say to me, why did you take drugs and alcohol? My answer to that was, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I now? I don't even need it. I don't even care. I don't want anything to to interfere with this relationship, that this relationship. Why would I need that? I don't need to escape anything. I have, I have conversation with the maker of the universe. Yeah? Right. Are you okay? Breathe in, breathe out. I, I thought we'd give maybe, how are we going for time? What time do we normally, oh, we're good. Does anyone ha- I I want to do a, time for a little bit of prayer at the end because I've sort of got three areas where I'm thinking mm, people might like prayer for but I thought maybe we'll just have a few minutes on a questions a couple of questions if anyone's got a question Anyone got a question or well, you're not that sort of crowd Yeah yes that's a great question how do my kids go with losing their get, their dad I'm immensely proud of my children and because they've travelled some things that your average Christian struggles with sometimes I think which is in those six years we prayed for their dad and so they were like well how come mummy, how come we're praying for dad and he still died and I think that's a good you know, question for us as Christians as well you know, when we're praying and you know, what do we do when we're, we're praying for healing and we want someone to be healed so badly and it doesn't happen you know, what do we do then in our theology? You know, so my kids really wrestled with that, of course. Why didn't daddy? I think old, I, my personal thing is that ultimately it was God's mercy that he went, come on, mate. <laughs> you know, um, but, but ultimately, that's it's a, you know, my, my theology doesn't change that God is a God that heals. But healing is not the goal, relationship with Him is. Because we're all dying, we're all dying. For me, I go um, the day... And there are still uh, consequences. So I, I think that's an important point to make as well. I don't want it to seem like, oh, and I came to Jesus and then, you know, everything's wonderful. No, there's still consequences to my life choices. And so God's grace is there for me in those things and God's grace is there for us. We did lots of talking, lots of praying but also just being open to um, the fact that death is the ultimate freedom in God, in God's timing, yeah? So that's sort of a long-winded answer to that question. Yeah, so my children all have their own, have wrestled with their own faith and have their own faith along the way. They st- I have a relationship with my children. I think that's a miracle. God is a God of restoration. Yeah. Anyone else with a question? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question and I'll give you this answer which is a really seems a very mundane answer. I got on a roster. Ooh. I got on a roster. Um, So I volunteered for the church. And what that did for me was it gave me a reason to be there uh, where I didn't... uh, So it was back in the days when we had cassette tapes, right? So it was the tape ministry. Anyway, so I was on a roster. So I would do the duplicating of the tapes and people would come up, they'd put in their order. And so then that gave me a, a, a reason to be there... And a and a way to talk to people without it being about sort of the hey, how are you? What's your name? What do you do? These are the things we ask people, don't they? We say, How are what's your name? What do you do? Well, what do I I sell drugs? You know, that 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 wasn't gonna fly, was it? You know, I'm a bad mum, terrible wife, you know, don't pay taxes. You you know, so, so for me, being on a roster just gave me a very soft way behind the scenes. I wasn't you know, I didn't wanna be all, you know Um, where I could just get to know people and I got to know their names. So that was a real turning point. So it is what we were saying before. It's the Bible, but it's community as well. We need each other. That's the whole concept of us being the body. We need each other. So that was a real turning point for me. Good question. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. People came and visited me without... No one said, ooh, would you like a makeover? Because you know what that says? That says you're not quite right. The way you dress is not right. No one said you should wear shoes. You know you should wear shoes. Why? So no one actually stated those things to me and yet here I am wearing shoes. You know, So no one stated that. The reason I wear shoes actually is because God spoke to me. I went on an outreach to Sydney and... Uh, and I was like, Lord, I just want a word, you know. I wanted like a deeply profound, you know, something sort of word um, from God. And He said to me, "Wear shoes." I was a bit, I was a bit like, really? You know, I wanted some scriptural loveliness or something. He said, "Wear shoes," but he said because, yeah, yeah. And he said this to me because he said, because if when you when you when you're not wearing shoes, some people don't have ears. And I thought of my grandmother, my grandmother who was, you know, from that era, for her, it was a lot for her to buy shoes, for her children to have shoes. And so I I understood when God said that to me that for some people they would just get distracted by me not having shoes on. That just was too much for them. So I wear shoes that people not, and and talk about it, (laughs) so that people not be distracted by that and can hear the message of the gospel. So then that makes sense to me in my worldview. Why am I doing that? I'm doing that to further the gospel, to magnify God, not me, that people not get distracted by me, I'm pretty distracting. I'm like six foot one. you know. So if I can be not that, so that people may have ears to hear. Yeah. Good question. Uh, whoever was that? Dave was that? Anyone else? yeah did yeah that you after or um did you not over you not overnight, no, uh, yeah, like no, no, uh, no, I mean, I used to sleep i max had there was I used to sleep on a on a sofa out the back because he said uh, that's where the dogs sleep. You can sleep out the back where the dogs sleep, um so I had a like a sofa on the back veranda, which is where I used to sleep. So that didn't no that didn't change overnight, but it's sort of relative, you know, because that was, it took us a long time to get there, it took us a long time to unpack that. So that's what I mean. It's not like you then wake up, it's not like Cinderella, boing, the next day, you know, Um, and and the reason why that is, I think, as well, is because had that happened, I wouldn't have learned the lessons. And then I just. You know, God's not, uh, God's not our fairy godmother who just comes along and goes boing and then the next day I woke up oh, and our house was fabulous and our attitudes were, no, we had to, it was God revealing himself. We were also demonised. Am I allowed to say that in this church? Yeah, so there was a bit of that happening. So those things take time to unpack, you know. Um, we were addicts too, you know. So um, there was a lot of spiritual work that happened, and 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 again, too, not so much just people yeah coming and sitting and being with us, um, and then God revealing those stuff. I put it like this: if you had a glass, if you had a glass right, and you put just some dirt and leaf litter in the bottom or whatever, um, the way to get it out is imagine if I had a glass, a, a jug of water. I love the scripture that says God fills us to overflowing, right? Imagine that I'm just filling that glass and God could fill it to tippy-tippy top. He could fill it to full as a goog full, couldn't he? You know where it's so full, it's just like, you know when you, how your kids want it? They want just so... so, so got, you can't even pick it up, it's so full, you know, that, that sort of full. God could fill us to that full, but he fills us to overflowing. So if you imagine that that water you're pouring in is the Holy Spirit. As we just continue to come to church, we read the word, we get around people of God, we uh, rub up against and annoy each other, iron sharpening iron, you know. Ever come to church and someone's annoyed you? I'm sure that's never happened in this church, but it's called iron sharpening iron, yeah. And then what happens to that leaf litter and whatnot at the bottom? It just sort of Flows away as you continue to pour, and to, and I call that deliverance, right? So that happened to us over time, over time, and some of these things that deeply entrenched issues. We had issues, we had baggage, you know, <laughs> like to the ceiling, yeah. So I thought maybe we'd just open it. If you would like some prayer, if you feel like you've got to go, you're allowed to go. You're allowed to go. You're allowed to go. You can go. There was three things that I that I thought maybe there's people here, and you think you know what? Um, I just want more of God. I just want more of like that. This outrageous. Uh, let me. T- uh, have you ever seen those? You ever seen those videos of people who are um, colorblind, and then someone buys them the colorblind glasses and puts them on, and you see them, and they're weeping. They're just amazed that they can see colour. And they say, what, are you telling me you see colour like that all the time? Are you telling me that orange is like like that for you all the time? And we're like, yeah. Right? I think that's us in Christianity sometimes. The colour has always been there. God is always there. Just for some reason, for me, I couldn't see him. And I needed help to see him. And then when I, when I saw him, I was like, what? Are you telling me? And you Christians, are you telling me you knew this all along? Oh, yeah. So maybe there's some of you here in the room who are thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe I'd like to be a little bit, refresh me, <laughs> refresh me, my appreciation of what I already have my appreciation to god i didn't have to go through all that muck sal just talked about Ooh, thank you jesus you know um so maybe there's some of you in that camp maybe there's some of you where you're just thinking you know what i feel a call of god and i don't know how to get there i had someone last last uh friday night say to me i want to be like like that whatever that is you're doing what course do i need to do what you know yeah sorry there ain't no course i don't know follow ask god simple answer But maybe that's you too where you feel like God's stirring you in a calling and um, you'd like some prayer for that. And the third is just you'd like some prayer. So if you'd like some prayer, feel free to come up the front. Um, If you feel like you want to go, you're going to have a cuppa and a tea or a whatever, be blessed as well. Thank you, folks. Family Church on Facebook.